Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Uphill Conversations. I'm Tim. I'm so glad you can join me today as you're living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So welcome to this show today. Um, I have a great guest. And um, this is a, a great lengthy interview, but it is rich and full of wisdom and incredible takeaway stuff. I mean, this guest really went deep and um, I feel like there's some great information and uh, stuff that's transformational as well for your life. So um, really quick, just a couple of things. Um, as you know, I've said we're moving the podcast to Thursday, so that's when the podcast will be launched, Uphill Conversations. And we're also revamping the UCYP. That'll be changing as well. But um, so be looking on Thursdays now for episodes for Uphill Conversations to go live. And I have some guests that I'll be bringing in, uh, some co-hosts, um, and I'm looking forward to that. So we're working on a couple of those little uh, uh, episodes where we're just going to do some introductions and have some fun with them. Um, always remember, I would love it if you went to um, iTunes and Stitcher and please write, rate and review the show, share it with people. Also our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram accounts, be checking those out. Um, Twitter is at Uphill Convo. Facebook, Uphill Conversations, and Instagram, Uphill Combo. And just remember, you can always just simply go to the website, uphillconversations.co.co, and everything is there. And on Mondays, we're going to be really pushing out um, something that I'm so excited about. Um, eventually, we'll be adding videos into it, but it's just a, a motivational, inspirational thought for you to kick off your Monday, hashtag TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. So, Let's just, uh, let me tell you about this guest today. Um, her name is Lisa Carpenter, and she's a nutrition and life coach. Um, she's, uh, she, she's one who empowers driven achievers to connect deeply with their emotions, uh, to free themselves from judgment, and create lasting physical and emotional transformation. And I'm going to tell you, when you, listen to this ep- when you listen to this episode and you hear what she shares, I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, the depth and the richness of uh, the information that she shares. She just launched a book on February 20th. The book's called Let's Eat. Cool, cool title. I love it. And EAT stands for Education, Action, and Transformation. Um, But what she's doing with this book is uh, she's helping you to break that addictive cycle of dieting, um, help you, you know, with this lose weight and make peace with food and your body for life. So, I really think you'll enjoy this episode. I hope you sit back, listen to it. Even if you listen to it in several sit- sittings, please do so. Huh? It's kind of like food, you know, maybe you have to come back to that meal. So take a break, take a listen, enjoy this episode with this wonderful guest, Lisa Carpenter. Welcome to the show, Lisa. How are you and what's going on in your world? Oh my gosh, I'm amazing. I'm super pumped to have this conversation with you. I think we're like kindred spirits that just found each other. 
Yeah, it, it was, it's <laughs> awesome. It, it is. And we had a good little uh, pre-chat and we were having some fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is going to be great. <laughs> okay. So what do you, what do you want to dive into? Where do you want to start? You know Where what I like to jump into? I would like first, just let everyone know, like, I mean, you've got this book coming out, right? And it's mm -hmm. off the, off your premise of eat, right? Yes. Which we'll break in. We'll break down that a little bit here in a minute, but let's, how do you show up? Like what is, what gets you up in the morning? What excites you, energizes you, gets you into your, like, like, this is my thing. This is what I do every single day. And, um, you know, just tell everyone about that right now. Mm, how do I show up? So that's a really great question. You know, if you'd asked me that six or seven years ago, the answer would have been incredibly different than today. You know, my intention every day is to show up and have some sort of an impact. It doesn't matter if I'm impacting one person or if I'm only just having an impact on myself, but it's, you know, where can I make an impact? How can I live my best life? And I know that sounds so cliche, but it really is about what am I going to do today that really supports me feeling the way I want to feel and, you know, ending the day where I'm like, wow, that was an awesome day. I did some good stuff in the world. I, you know, opened myself up to new experiences. I, you know, put down judgment. That's a big thing for me. Um, you know, how did I trust myself more today? That's a really big theme that I'm working on right now in my life. So how I show up can really vary from day to day. But the premise is always, how can I really make this an amazing day? Okay. I love what you said about impact. So let's do this. Like what does impact look like for you? Just like success looks like it's different for everybody. Right. And it should look different for everyone. Significance yes. looks different. Right. When you yes. say impact, if you could mm. define impact, like give me an impact, like um, not just a moment, but something that you feel is impact with movement. Impact with movement. Wow. You do ask really great questions. So impact for me is at the end of the day, do I have something to reflect on? So did I do something that shifted something in me? Did I take a bold action in my life? Did I have a conversation with somebody that I know has shifted something in them? So it's, you know, impact for me is about change. Did I, was I a catalyst for something becoming different today? That's, that's kind of really what impact means for me. So it can look different depending on the day, but was there a catalyst for change today, either within myself or with somebody that I came in contact with? That's great. And you know, it's, it, I just had a conversation with someone yesterday and the thing was we were talking, they're, they're trying to get into understanding how to be transformational right? Mm. How to be more transformational because they admitted to me that their days are transactional. Uh, it's an exchange. And I yeah. tell them the way I do it is like this. It's like, okay, look, if I want to be transactional, I'll go to target, I'll buy something and I'll, and I'll transact. Yep. Right. But I don't know that what I bought from target is going to transform anything in me. Okay. So here's what I say. So take that same concept. If you're just doing duties and tasks and just functioning and going through your day on autopilot, you're only going to do transactions. What you have to do is say, now, if I'm going to make a transaction first, like, so for instance, we're having this conversational, this is, sorry, this conversation is at first when we started talking or we started engaging in emails, we were transacting, right? You have something to talk about. I have questions I'd like to ask. We would like to share it with others, but it's not until we pose our questions that transformation gets in introduced. So how do you help people get to that next level of thinking? Like in your world, 
how do you help people move from being a transactional person, just exchanges mm. of things? I give you this, you give me that, you know, because that's service. That's good. But that's- how do we now take it to the next level, which I think the world is missing? How do you turn it into transformation? How do you help people? Like I was saying, it's my questions that help you bring these things out that our audience listens to that maybe they grab a hold of and then they apply them to their life. Transformation happens without our involvement, right? How do you help people with that? So transformation is in the being. So it's a lot of my work is shifting people from looking at what they think think they want into shifting into who they need to become in order to create the outcome that they want. So the transformation is in the being. We want to, like you said, you know, we want to think that it's in the transaction, but it's not. It's in the intention behind how we decide we want to show up in the world, right? So I can have a full and busy day, but I can decide that I'm going to feel anxious and stressed. Most people don't decide this, right? They're just very unconscious about it. But for (laughs) me, I'm very intentional about what kind of energy do I want to bring into my day to day. So if I want to have impact, it's not about running around, scurrying around. It's, it's the, the being like who I'm being in terms of the impact that I want to make. So how can I show up enthusiastic, authentic, vulnerable, open, willing, curious. To me, that's where the transformation happens when we're willing to open up to how do I want to be today? What's the energy that I'm bringing to my life today? And that, I mean, then the outcome just starts to naturally unfold. That Okay. So let's, let's continue to unpack this because I, I'm tremendously like moved by it, but I'm so interested. I'm a curious person. When I was, a, I'm a what if person. Like my my mom would hate seeing me show up because she knew I was going to go, mom. So what if? Oh, me too. Uh, raised by a single mom, <laughs> she was like, you know, what? I'll be like, mom, what if? And she's like, oh my god, Timothy, you know what? <laughs> You're going to drive me crazy. But the that whole thing of being. Right. Mm-hmm. That whole thing of showing up and being, but it's that choice to be. Yes. And it's the choice to say I am versus the choice to say, what am I allowing others to dictate for me, for my direction or to me for my direction? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you get into that? Unpack that a little bit more, helping okay. people understand that. So we want to go through life kind of pointing fingers outside of ourselves, right? Not being radically responsible for how we're showing up in the world. So one of the things that I talk to my clients about is, you know, draw a circle outside of your feet. Everything inside the circle is your responsibility. And everything outside of the, the circle, anything that happens to you, you get to choose your perspective, but this, this flipping it over to, you know, life is happening for you instead of to you and taking responsibility for how we react, how we think and feel about everything that's going on around us. Because right. until we take responsibility for that, instead of pretending like we're a victim to our circumstances, nothing changes. And that's uncomfortable for people, right? You get the, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, if he just did something different or if, you know, my kids behave differently, then I would feel better. And I understand that because this is how I used to run my life, very reactive to my circumstances, right? Constantly um, 
looking for my external circumstances to change so I could feel better. And it wasn't until I really flipped it around and said, oh my goodness, like this is mine. And that was humbling when I realized, oh my God, all of this is mine to start to unpack and start to, you know, rewire my behaviors and really take responsibility for my thoughts and how I was showing up. So, you know, I think with any type of self-help, self-discovery, transformation, we have to give these things time. Like it takes time to just step into new ways of being. And we have to be patient with ourselves. There's no rush. There's no end result. Like you're going to have to have a relationship with yourself until the day you die. Like what's the rush? Like just every day say, how can I have a better relationship with myself today? And where can I take more responsibility for what's going on in my world? I love that. Step into new ways of being. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. so good. Because you've got to try it, right? You've got to, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you ever, you ever read, um, C.S. Lewis, anything he, he's written like, um, and it was when I was a kid, I read it because, um, uh, I'm like a pop-up book kind of person. Like even when I'm talking with people, it's like a pop-up book and I open the page and I'm moving levers. So as you're talking to me, like I see things different because I'm a big spatial intelligence person. Like I'm big into spatial intelligence, right? So I love when you say step into new ways of being, and I see these, these new things of like, wow. And it makes me think of C.S. Lewis, where it was the Turkish delight. It's the thing that you, you, that gets your attention that you eat. Yes. And I don't know if you're, if you remember that in the story, but that that's what, how, if you even watch the movie, the ice queen gets, you know, the young man by giving him the Turkish delight. And so he eats it and that's the thing that gets him right. But, but also as he tastes the new thing, instead of him working with what he's tasting to see if he should be stepping there, he just keeps going with it. So there's a, there's a fear that people have because mm-hmm. what happens if you like it, but it's not best for you. you know like it's not the best thing for you so like it's not the best but you go through it like you know what I mean like and then you have to stop because now it's turned into the bad side you know there's a there's a promise and a peril to everything you know being an introvert there's a promise to it and a peril being an extrovert there's a promise and a peril so even if you try it and you like it and you shouldn't maybe be doing but you're there the Turkish delight syndrome, you know, talk about that a little bit. What happens when you go too far or what happens when you don't go far enough? I love that you lead with curiosity because I think when we can stay in a place of curiosity, well, one judgment and curiosity, they can't really cohabitate. They, They just can't coexist. If you're in a state of curious, like being curious, you can't be judgmental. So when we stay in a state of being curious in our lives all the time, and we're willing to look at something and say, you know what, this feels really good, but what's another perspective on this? So to give you an example, um, I believe that everybody has a, you know, come to God moment or whatever you want to say, right? I, I believe we all have a catalyst in our life that really shakes us up and forces us to look at our stuff. And for some people, it can be illness. For some people, it can be a death. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why people have these massive catalysts. And in my life, the big transformational catalyst was my husband going into rehab. 
my son was six months old. I had two preteen boys and it was like my world just fell out from underneath me because I didn't understand that I didn't even know this was going on. And, uh, I had to come face to face with my own stuff would have been easy to be a victim of my circumstances. But the truth is I had to get curious and lean into the role that I was playing in the relationship, not just with him, but why had this come into my life? Like what, you know, what was, what was it about me? Wow. And it was, you know, I'm really shortcutting the story because there's, you know, lots of layers to this and there was lots of resistance and there was lots of Lisa being like super pissed off. Um, but I really decided that, you know, I went into it with a, okay, I'm going to learn everything about addiction because I'm going to fix my relationship. I'm going to make sure this is okay, which, you know, that striving energy that like, I'll show you energy has, has done really well for me in my life until it doesn't, right? That's, that's with all of our behaviors. They work really well until they don't. <clears throat> and so what I, what I realized is I had all these behaviors that I really thought made me an awesome human being. And they did to a certain extent. But the problem was the volume was turned up so high on these behaviors. So caretaking, right? Like I got to have my hands on everything. And if I just love you enough, you'll see how amazing you are or people pleasing, right? Saying yes to everything. So I was totally burnt out. Uh, perfectionism, control, all these things that really were keeping me from actually being truly connected to myself. Um, so if you would ask me, like, do all these behaviors feel good back then? Well, of course they did. I didn't know any different. I didn't know what I didn't know. And when this all kind of went down and I was forced to get really curious about it, and it was uncomfortable because I was, I was fighting for my behaviors. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm a coach. Like, I have to be, like, helping my people, right? Like, I was really fighting for these because my identity was so tied up in them. And those behaviors felt good for me, like breathing. And it got very, very uncomfortable for me when I had to start turning the volume down on these mm. things, when I had to start setting boundaries, when I had to start letting go of control, when I had to start exploring what surrender meant, right? It's not giving up. Uh, surrender is in, like, it's, it's not passive. Um, so it didn't feel good. But in the process of not feeling good was how I ended up feeling better again. But these are still behaviors that I have to keep in check. So, you know, long answer to your question is just because something feels good doesn't necessarily mean it's good for us. And when we have the willingness to stay curious about our behaviors and just ask the question like, oh, why do I feel like I need to do all of this? Or why do I feel like you know, I have to look a certain way, or I have to wear these certain clothes, or I have to write this article in this particular way, or I have to, you know, I should be eating this kind of food. When we can just step back and be curious, there's so much learning that's available to us. There's so many more perspectives. And so now I really get excited about my self-development because like I said, I'm going to have a relationship with myself till the day I die. I'm a human being. So there's always going to be interesting stuff, but I'm no longer coming at it from a place of I'm broken, I need fixing. I come at it from a place of, wow, I'm really curious what else is available to me. And I'm really curious about where else I'm holding myself back and then seeing what opens up. So mm -hmm. when I'm sitting here and I'm hearing you talk about these things, I'm going, you know, wow, you know, what happens when your curiosity disappoints you? Because I like the idea of being curious because I am 
curious. I like what you said was, you know, the behaviors are great. They're good until they don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, those types of things. So when you're in that space and you're saying, this is who I am, this is how I'm showing up. I've got to own myself. I'm going to have a relationship with me for the rest of my life. Why mm-hmm. is it that people are wanting to hold on more so to traditions? Mm-hmm. They want to hold on to what other people say. But, you know, in, in other words, they're saying, I'm going to now focus my curiosity backward instead of forward. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not moving my curiosity in the direction of my future. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically trying to tell my current story for my future using only my past. Yes. Yes. So, our fears are always based in past thinking or futurizing. Always, right? And when we're making choices from a, a place of fear, we never actually move forward because that fear is is that part of our brain that's telling us it's not safe, right? That lizard part of our brain that's there innocently enough to protect us and keep us safe, but quite often is protecting us from stuff we don't need to be protected from. So do we need to know that it's not safe for us to walk in front of a moving vehicle? Yes. (laughs) But does our brain need to protect us and tell us that it's not safe to stand up in front of a room full of people or to set a boundary with somebody? No, but it's going to because that's what we've hardwired in. So once we get curious and we might be like, wow, okay, like I don't even know what to do with this. First, it's okay to stay in that place of, wow, I don't know what to do with this. Right. Right. Like I defaulted into how do I fix this? Which was contr- like, that was me wanting to cling on to control. Right. Well, and you know, and right? before you move any, yeah. And before you move any further, that's important because a lot of people that struggle with perfectionism and this control stuff, you yeah. know, you got people that take their hands off of everything and say, whatever will be, will be right. Que sera, yeah. you know, que sera, que sera. So you're saying you were talking about controlling it and that's the fix it. You literally are moving away from, you know, I tell people interdependency is fine. Being completely independent is not good and being codependent no. is not good. Absolutely. But being interdependent, which means you understand boundaries, you know, that statement you're make you're getting into, like as you're telling and, and continue on where you're going. I know I cut you off. I hope you didn't hope, hope I didn't interrupt your train of thought, but that that is so important right there. That as you're controlling things, you're making things happen for yourself mm-hmm. that may not be the answer that you ultimately need. That's right. Right. So I defaulted into trying to control the situation and you don't make a change from a place of control because control is all about the future, right? Not wanting things to happen in the future. If I hold on tighter, this won't happen. So it's, it's a constant checking in and just saying what's working and what isn't. If, if you're too comfortable, are you willing to lean into being a little bit more uncomfortable? So I had no, I had no concept of what a boundary was. Like wow. I literally remember sitting in this therapy room and we were practicing boundaries and I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Am I getting this right? Wow. <laughs> the perfectionist in me, right? Like, am I getting this right? Am I doing it right? I had no concept of a boundary is not about the other person. 
the boundary is about me. Right. So it's, it's not about trying to make somebody else do something. It's about saying, what do I need here? And to set boundaries for myself was very, very challenging. Learning to say no to stuff, learning to say no to myself. There was, you know, there was a ton of letting go and I know I've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. No, you're but not. But keep going. Keep am going. I going? So it's it's really, you know, talking about this when we realize something isn't working for us or we're, you know, we're comfortable with it, but we when we've gotten curious and we're like, wow, what would it be like from another perspective? It's the transformation happens when you're willing to stay with the discomfort. And as human beings, we're constantly wanting to find comfort. We don't want to be uncomfortable. Our brain is hardwired to keep us comfortable, right? Our brain is hardwired to make life easy. This is why when you drive a car, you don't have to think about it. When you brush your teeth, you don't go in there every morning going, okay, what are the steps I have to take? What hand am I using to brush my teeth? So our, our brain is hardwired to keep us comfortable and in these safe patterns. That's why they're, it's habitual. Behavior patterns are habitual. And we are quite capable of retraining our brains, of retraining our behavior patterns. So I'm in a, in a completely different person than I was six years ago. I'm still amazing, but I'm a healthy amazing now, right. not an unhealthy amazing, right? Like I have turned down the volume on behaviors that were actually incredibly destructive. They were keeping me small in my life. Um, and it came with a lot of discomfort. And it came with a lot of practice. I really embraced kind of the George Costanza rule. If it didn't feel good, <laughs> yeah. I was going in the right direction. And just to prove a point to everybody that it it is fully possible for you to change these behaviors right now, whether you're struggling with perfectionism or control or whatever, for the next 30 days, commit to brushing your teeth with your opposite hand, like your non-dominant hand. For the first couple of days, it's going to be really hard. Like you'll catch yourself with your toothbrush in your right hand. You'll have to switch, right? It's that like conscious incompetence stage. You're like, wow, okay, I know this, but I'm not doing it very well. And every day you commit to doing it with your left hand, by the end of 30 days, you're going to be brushing your teeth with your, you'll be asking yourself, do I want to go left or right today? And that's the power when we really take responsibility for the fact that we can hardwire our brain in different ways and that anything that we're living into right now, whatever behavior it may be, we can actually radically transform that. But we have to make the conscious commitment to change and when my hubby went into rehab, once I realized, okay, this is about me, I made an unwavering commitment to myself that I was going to follow this path because I was determined to feel better. I didn't know how my life was going to play out, but the curtains had been opened up wide enough that I knew there was something else available to me. And I didn't have any other choice. Like I had to put one foot in front of the other or I was going to be a victim in my life. And I, I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want that for my family. So, yeah, that's it's a lot. Well, <laughs> well, no, it is a lot. And I appreciate your openness with that. And, um, you know, and, and not every story, you know, people think because like maybe in your story, it all worked, right? Mm hmm. Other people would look at it and go, well, in my case, it didn't work because I tried that and it didn't work. And they view that as a failure. Yeah. Can you say something about that? There's there's lots of things that didn't work, right? Like failure, again, is a perspective. I remember a very wise coach saying to me, you know, Lisa, even when you're falling on your face, you're moving forward. 
I was like, okay, that's, that's good. And in every kind of misstep and mistake I made, um, you know, what, what creates the life that we want, what creates that sex success is our willingness to get up and say, I'm going to try again. Like you don't, you don't berate a toddler that's trying to learn how to walk because it, you know, crashed down on its butt again, right? As a parent, you encourage and you nurture. If we can show up being our own best coach and encouraging ourselves and nurturing ourselves and showing ourselves kindness and compassion instead of, you know, beating ourselves up. And this is what I find with so many, you know, overachievers, high performers, um, you know, top professionals they've been so hard on themselves their entire lives and they believe that they have to continue to have that behavior and those thought patterns because that's what created their success. So like I said, it works Mm. until it doesn't because eventually you get to a place where you're actually not moving forward anymore because you're being so hard on yourself that you feel like somebody's standing on your chest with steel boots on. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it's, it really is, when you commit, like truly commit to yourself and your self-development and you start working, you work your life around your self-development, not your self-development around your life. It's a non-negotiable part of my life. Right. I coach other people. I'm always being coached as well. I'm in the ring. I'm in the trenches with myself. <clears throat> Um, I'm always doing some work every day on, you know, what do I need to be curious about? Where is resistance showing up in my life? But not from a place of trying to get it perfect or right or being judgy, but just saying again, like I'm committed to myself first. You know what I like is that you have the ability to train your brain. Like people don't realize like, you know, most decisions are made from your subconscious. That's right. And what happens is then what happens, your, your subconscious makes a decision and then you're left with how you feel. That's right. But then what they do is they ignore this other part, which is the continuation component of advancing for your future self, which is your conscious mind in that Mm -hmm. moment. And what can you do different? So I teach people a coaching habit. When this happens, dot, 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 instead of dot, 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 I will dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? I try to, so I try to say, look, so you already made a decision based on your historical information. You're feeling something, right? Because your thoughts, feelings lead to actions that, you know, you're going to make, you know, sorry, thoughts, your feelings lead to decisions that give you your Mm -hmm. actions that ultimately give you your outcomes. So you got, you can't cut off the future part of who you are becoming, You know, you are still becoming someone. So until you make that adjustment, you're just going to do the same thing and you're going to go back. What you're going to do is go back. Now, sometimes it's okay to go back and go, let me figure this out. Let me see if this was right. Let me see if this is right. Let me see if this is still where I am and you know, where I sit. It's your point of view. Let's, let me address that. But you can't ignore the future self in this conversation. So with the rewiring of the mind and what we've been talking about here, and I promise you we're going to get into your book because I'm excited about this. Um, when are these patterns or behaviors, when would you say what's a healthy, when is, when would you say they're healthy patterns and behaviors? And when would you call them unhealthy patterns in behaviors? Mm, first of all, I love what you teach because it really is about, we have to be able to recognize and then disrupt patterns 
Like we have to be disruptors in our lives in order to do things different. And then we have to be willing to stay with the discomfort when we disrupt a pattern, right? When you've always done something one way, right? It, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, you know, there's something to be said for our comfort zone isn't really comfortable at all. It's just familiar. So I think it's really being honest with ourselves about, is this really comfortable? Because quite often, you know, perfectionism, control, people pleasing, you know, approval seeking, you name it. For, well, for me personally, like I said, I had to have that really big catalyst in my life to even see that that was a problem. For some of my clients, when they come to me, it's a languaging thing. So when they're saying, you know, like, I'm not sleeping, I'm working all the time, you know, I'm, a, I'm afraid to be visible, that's when, when there's big things in your life that you're like, I want to do those things, but I feel like I can't. That's generally Mm. when we need to take a look at, okay, what's really getting in the way Mm. and where do we need to, to shift this? Right. So, you know, you look at your mom, she was a single mom, right? Right. You said she was hardworking and she did all the things. So that pattern is hardwired into her and she may live her life being that way as long as she's okay with it. Right. But if she's coming home every night, exhausted, burnt out, her physical body is starting to break down and, you know, she's starting to see signs of illness or anything like that. And I'm not wishing this on your mom at all, but you get what I'm saying? Like, that's when we have to step back and go, okay, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't think this is healthy for me to continue on this way, but how do I change it? Because I've been in this pattern my whole life, right? Because we you know, we're not on this planet to work ourselves hard and to death until the day we die. We get to take care of ourselves too. We get to slow down. We get to, you know, do things. Um, we get to do less, but better. Right. Right. For impact. So it really is, it's an individual thing. It's looking at where are the pain points in your life? Because we all have them. We all Mm. have them. Unless you're like a zombie walking around, there's pain points in your life, whether it's your kids are driving you crazy, your, you know, your husband can't say a single thing that makes you happy. You find you're resentful all the time. That's when you need to look at, wait a minute, what pattern is going on within me that I, that is, that is fueling my resentment or my anger or my frustration or my sadness. Wow. That's so powerful. I, I mean, I, I love that. My mom, my mom, you know, she's a tough Ukrainian mm-hmm. woman and she's, uh, yeah. So, but that's what she's done. She always adapted. Like she would ask herself, wait a second, what needs to change? And she yeah. would always start with herself and not with other people. And oh. now she may be angry at you, <laughs> but she has to work through it. But she would also be the same one that would work to shift you know, whatever she's contributed to any kind of dilemma or problem in any, you know, said relationship that she had. And so that was one of the things I learned. I've also been the part, one of the things I learned from my mom also was that, you know, in that process, you know, people expect that when you tell them the truth, they expect that you speaking disappointment to them. And that's not necessarily true. I'm not disappointed in you. I'm telling you the truth so that we could actually find some common ground to be able to advance or help, you know, heal or help Mm -hmm. a relationship. 
And unfortunately, in most situations that from learning from what my mom taught me and in the coaches I've had in my life, and one of my favorites is Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a great guy. Um, my main coach has been John Maxwell since 1992. He's been a great help for me. But he, you know, th- when you see those folks go, Tim, here's the thing. Just because people will say they're, they're going to go along doesn't mean they're going to come along. That's right. You know, and you have to understand that they're expecting that because you want to get to that level of truth and openness and honesty. And when you challenge, once you stop making it easy for them, that's when you can really find a lot of problems in the relationship, you know? So, um, no, I love what you're saying in all of this has been great, but you know what I want to do? I want you to break down this eat (laughs) because, okay, yeah, this is your book. And so I want to spend the last bit of this and and I'm going to tag in on the end. I want you to remember this. Okay. But I want to ask you at the very end of this conversation that we're going to talk about, I love the putting down judgment. And that's the way I would like to close down putting down judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, because I feel like it ties well into what you're doing because you're moving into something that I believe your physical health, the way you feel about your body, things like that, they have impact on you. It's a, it's a mental impact an emotional impact, obviously physical things are there, but the way you show up, it can affect you. So first and foremost, what is eat? And then how did you take eat and move it into the book? Okay, such a great question. So eat is based on a couple different online courses that I run that actually started in my bricks and mortar studio. I've been doing this work for almost two decades now. And eat actually stands for education, action, transformation. And, you know, what makes it different is I don't tell people what to eat because it's none of my business. I don't really care what you eat. My job Uh is to help lay the foundation for you and help you step into choice and radical responsibility for the food you're eating. Because just like self-help, I can't give you, here's the blueprint, go do this and you'll be better. We have to get in the weeds and figure it out. And once we create that conscious competence, the world opens up for us. I'm trying to create conscious competence for people around their nutrition. So a lot of the people that I work with are leaders, right? They want to have a big impact in the world. Like they are not here to screw around. They are here on purpose um, for most of my one-to-one clients. They cannot lead at their highest potential if they are not taking care of their physical and emotional well-being, right? So the coaching aspect, the deep questions, that's taking care of your emotional well-being. That's making sure you are connected with you. And then the physical well-being is actually, you know, the type of food you put into your body, the type of movement you make. And it's not about being perfect, but it's about saying, you know what, I really have to get honest with myself. Why am I giving my family all my time? Why am I giving my business all my time? And why am I not making myself a priority in my life? Your body is your vehicle to go through this life, right? So I I want a Ferrari. I'm not going to (laughs) put the cheapest gas in my Ferrari. I'm going to treat my body like it is my most prized possession. And things that we love, we take care of. So if you're not feeling good in your body, if you are feeling tired and you've got no energy and you're lethargic and you're frustrated and all these things are going on, it's a reflection of how you actually think and feel about yourself. So the book really dives into 
helping people release this addiction to dieting because, mm. you know, women in particular feel like they have to, you know, they have to beat themselves up. It's like, it's like judgment, right? In business, we want to judge ourselves. That's how right. we move forward, right? We hang on to that tightly. we got to have all the things. Um, when it comes to dieting, we believe that we have to stay on this diet cycle. And if we give up dieting or weight loss as the goal, that we're going to gain like 500 pounds, which is just not the truth. When we have an amazing relationship with ourselves from the inside out, all the other stuff drops into place. Right. So you know, the traditional kind of dieting food, you know, weight loss is all focused on if I fix my external circumstances, mm -hmm. then I'll be good. Then I'll be confident. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be able to go do the thing. Then I'll go to the conference, right? Then I'll get online and be visible on video. It's crap. It is crap. Like you have to start from where you're at, learn to like yourself first, and the food stuff will fall into place. So eat is in part teaching that framework. So just like in business, we have to have the emotional and mental mindset to be, in, to be an entrepreneur, to be in business. And we also need some systems and structures to our business to create freedom. It's not about restriction. It's about how can I create more freedom in my business by having some frameworks to work by. The same thing is true with food. But if you told me in my business I had to follow this plan to be successful, I wouldn't be successful. I have to have freedom. I want to know that I can choose. I want to know that I can say, you know what? I don't want to do it this way anymore. I want to do it this way. And that's really what I, I bring people back to with food is ultimately you get to choose. And when we stop making our choices right or wrong or good or bad, and when we stop shooting on ourselves, I should eat this or I shouldn't eat this. And we just make choices from this conscious place of this is what I'm choosing in this moment. And then I like to take it a step forward and say, is this choice actually supporting how you want to feel and who you want to become, right? That's when things start to shift. Mm. Mm. So if you don't mind me asking, and I hope that this is, I mean, I feel like you would know that I'm asking from a genuine place. Was there a struggle for you? Is it, was it more, for, was this was it something you learned for yourself because you were struggling with, you know, how you felt with your relationship with food? I mean, I mean, I'm just asking because, and, and I'm not saying, and I hope you don't take it any offense to no, it. No, no, not at all. And in fact, I'll tell you the whole story behind it. You know, like I started out as a personal trainer. That's where my career started. And people came to me because they wanted to change their bodies. And I learned really, really quickly, it doesn't really matter what you do in the gym. If you're not paying attention to what you're doing in the kitchen, nothing changes. I had never been overweight, but I never really loved, loved my body. So I decided, okay, well, I'm a very kinesthetic learner. I'm like, I got to be in the map, like Joey Turbiani, you know, I got to be in the map to right, move around. Right, right, And uh, so I started competing in fitness and figure to see how I could transform my body. And again, I learned really, really quickly you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. I saw these women walking around with like perfectly flawless bodies who were still hating on themselves. And it forced me into a new relationship with my own body. How could I love and appreciate it at all different stages and phases of, you know, of leanness, so to speak. And I was able to take that information and then, you know, translate it into a program that would work for everyday people. But no, weight loss was not my struggle. And in full transparency for a lot of years as a coach, 
I really had a hard time with that because, you know, if you passed me on the street, you know, a lot five foot one, I could fit in your pocket. People would look at me and then judge, right? And think, well, she can't possibly know my struggles as an overweight woman, even though I'd been in the trenches with my clients for years and years. Where my struggle mimics exactly what I teach with, with weight was my relationship with money, wow. right? So debt, rack up debt, lose the debt, rack up debt, lose the debt, focusing on the money. If I pay the bill, if I pay the debt, then I'll feel better. Then I'll have freedom in my business. Then I can travel. Then I can go buy this. And the, I remember when I was reading a book, it was called uh, Money, A Love Story. It was one of the first books I read around money mindset. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like this is this is what I teach, but with food. And in that moment, it was like, wow, Lisa, you can't keep showing up and teaching what you're teaching if you're not willing to look at the the area of your life that this is the same thing. Like you need to start taking responsibility for this. So over the past, you know, four or five years, I've taken radical responsibility for how I think and feel about money and my relationship with money. And not getting on this, like, you know, rack the debt, pay the debt. Um, I've paid off all my debt now. I live debt-free. I'm still learning how to live without debt and not be afraid of debt. So a lot of women who lose weight, they're afraid they're going to gain weight, right? So it keeps them in this paralyzed position. Again, that fear of going back, um, making choices from past experiences instead of where we are now. This is still stuff that I'm in the muddy middle of going, okay, this is my new normal. How do I how do I live from this place and stay present in this place? So we all have our stuff. And quite often the women that I'm working with around their weight, if they look in their lives, the same thing is going on with their money. So wow. again, it was like the relationship I was having with money was mimicking how I was feeling and where my levels of self-worth were. And if you had said to me, well, Lisa, you have low levels of self-worth, I would have been like, no, I don't. I feel awesome about myself until I started digging deeper and realized how much I had tied up my debt, what I was making it mean about me personally, whereas my debt has nothing to do with me. Your weight has nothing to do with your value as a human being and how amazing you are or your purpose on this planet, whatever it may be, whether it's to, you know, be a entrepreneur changing lives or whether it's to be the best mom you can be to your kids, your weight has no impact on your value as a human being. So this is where, and I talk very openly about this to my clients. I never coach from a place of, I got it all together. Follow me. I'm the guru. I'm like, like I said, I am in the trenches with my clients. And I think that that's why so many people resonate with me as a coach, because I just, I, I do my best to keep it real and I do my best to share my stories and let people really see what I've gone through, what I'm going through, and what's possible for them. Even if right now they're only like, well, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to let what's going on for her inspire me to at least try something different today. What if a person has all the money in the world? They are, I guess, somewhat healthy, but they're miserable. Mm you can have all the things and not be happy. Right. And that's what I've learned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so like, so in one case you see a person struggling with weight and their money is a direct correlation. Right. Yeah. So it's like what I say to people with a poverty mentality. Like I grew up on the, in the inner city. My mom right. was a single parent. 
But one thing my mom never allowed us to do is have a poverty mentality. We did paper routes. We collected bottles and cans. You know, I'm old enough to know what it was like to where you can collect a whole bunch of bottles and cans and turn them in and you get money. And I'd bring mm-hmm. that home and give it to my mom. Like that's that's one of the things I did. And that's how she instilled a work ethic, you know, in me. And, um, you know, you work. That's what you do. And, and you become entrepreneurial in doing so. Figure out where the bottles and cans are, go collect them, turn them in, build a relationship with the people at the grocery store so you can borrow a shopping cart so you can go to those places and push the cart over there, collect everything, bring it back. You know, same story. So, but what do you do? So in your book, Eat, I'd like to break into this. So what about a person like that? Like, do you have principles? Like what are key principles that you would say would relate to a person that maybe they are healthy, you know, you know, as far as like, they don't feel like they're overweight, maybe, you know, there's no correlation between, you know, because their money is good, but they're sad. Do you have anything in your book that would speak to that? Mm, That's a really interesting question. So I'm going to ponder that. And while I'm kind of pondering that, I want to quickly come back to something you said, right? Because you you didn't grow up with a, a scarcity mindset. You grew up with knowing that you could make money on demand, right? Yes. That you could work hard and make your money. Yes. At some point in your life, though, you have to be willing to be curious about, do I need to continue to work hard to make money? Yes. Or is money just energy? Yes. Right? Because entrepreneurs get into this. Like we wear- It's we an wear addiction. Like, yeah. You right, can get addicted to it. Working hard, yeah. right? Working hard. I got to work hard to make money. Um, we, we get that. To, yeah. It is, it's like an addiction, right? I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more. And instead of looking at, well, what would it look like to do less better? And am I willing to explore that I am at a stage now in my business where doing more isn't actually going to get me more. And how do I slow down? How do I learn to make money with ease? How Mm. do I release this belief that I have to grind it out and work hard for my money? Like hustle. Everything's a hustle. Yeah. Like, because life, we're here to enjoy it. We're not here to work hard until the day we die. Yeah. So, you know, if you have a healthy relationship with your body, like you're, you're walking. So there's a, there's a lot of women that, you know, aren't necessarily overweight, but they hate their bodies. Hmm. Like wow. they, hate their, they walk by the mirror and they're like, they have nothing good to say about themselves. Is it because of what they see? Is it what they see? Is it, is it just their own perception or it's do you? Their own perspective of themselves. It's the thought patterns that they're looped into. Mm. right? It's how they're choosing to think and feel about themselves. Mm. And we get to disrupt that, right? Like when we stop making our external package be, you know, again, dictating our worthiness or our enoughness on this planet, but you know, you wouldn't walk around berating your best friend or your kids Mm. or your clients. We have to stop doing that to our to ourselves. So if you're not happy, like if you look around your house, your, your life and you think I'm not happy, it starts with, okay, well getting curious, like what really isn't making me happy because you can have all the things, but if your values are locked into like freedom and exploration and adventure, right? Like, do you even know what you value, what lights you up? Because you can have all the stuff, but if you want freedom and adventure, no stuff is ever going to fill your bucket, 
plane trip and backpacking around Europe might do it for you. So, so often we get, again, comfortable in these, this familiar place that we're living in that we forget to check in with our values. And am I actually living from my values? Mm. And, you know, that's where you're going to find this, this place of bliss where you're like, okay, like I'm in life and I'm, I'm loving it. So how much stuff you have is not, is not a measure of, of happiness or joy. It's just stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, if all your, and I've said this to clients before, you know, if we stripped away everything, your partner, your kids, your stuff, and it was just you on this planet, just you. And, you know, money was no object. Let's just say, you know, you could do whatever you wanted. What would you do? What would make you happy? What makes you feel connected to you? And that's a question that many, many people have a hard time answering. They're like, oh, well, my kids. I'm like, no, you don't have kids. It's just you. What makes you happy? So do you, Im- do you import that into your current life once you decide that or you figure that out? Like, what do you do then? Do you... Then you start incorporating more of that into your world. So for instance, um, I've got a program called the 10 days of you, where I ask people to start getting curious about this stuff. I have a self-care list, like what things actually make me feel happy and fulfilled and lit up and, you know, and because I can get caught in like my overachiever and my doer, she loves to like podcast, like absorb all the information, right? I love to learn. I love that side of me. I love to learn. But the creative side of me, that's like, um, maybe we should paint. Maybe how about some music today, Lisa? How about taking a drive with your sunroof open and the windows down, even if it's cold, like turn up the heat. I'm in Canada. Um, Looking at the things that really have nothing to do with work or doing and what's the state of being like, I love, mm. I, when I was a little girl, I used to pretend I was, you know, a mermaid and then a detective, like I had this crazy <laughs> imagination until, you know, I was like, oh, I guess life is about growing up and being serious and figuring things out and making something of yourself. So I put all those things down as not being valuable, but those are the things that are the most valuable to me. Like that's what my life flows from. So sometimes for me, it's sitting down and what, God, I don't even know how many times I've watched Maleficent just because it's like fairies and mythical things. And it's just, it's such a escape for me. I have a book. I have a book for you. You need to listen, you need to listen or read, sorry, or you can listen to it. Walking on water by Madeline Lengel. Okay. It is literally about that. It's, you know, that most adults, lose high creativity because, because 10%, you know, so I think it's like 10% of adults operate with high creativity. It's because when you're a kid, you believe in unicorns and Leviathans and all these things, but then you get older and that's like kind of beaten out of you. And so it's like walking on water. What if you could walk, what if you could move unfettered through time? Madeline Langle is the same person who wrote the book, A Wrinkle in Time, where they made a movie mm-hmm. about it. Yep. So okay. so read that book because it speaks of exactly what you're saying. Like Then it's like, oh, but you got to grow up now. Who I, said that you can't have imagination and grow up? Yeah. We, we need our imagination. That's how we stay connected to ourselves. You know, we're not here to be human doings. We're here to be human beings and we're so busy trying to make something of ourselves that we're missing out on life. 
you know, our heads down in our phones where, you know, like as much as I want, when I, when we talked at the beginning about, you know, I want to show up and I want to have impact impact for me, I want to feel alive in my life. I don't want to feel like I'm just doing my way through it all the time. Mm, Right. Right. So impact can look many different ways, but until we allow ourselves to play again, instead of feeling like it's, oh, that's an indulgent or a luxury, like I I, I can't do that until we start bringing that back as a non-negotiable in our lives. Wow. We're not really connected with who we are because in essence, we never really grow up unless we choose to darken those sides of ourselves. So Mm. it just... And it, it's still a challenge for me, right? Like my default setting tends to be the doer again, because my brain has been so hardwired for, you know, achievement. And I had to make something out of myself, right? There was that proving energy that I have to still stay really conscious of Lisa, turn off the podcast and listen to music, right? I'm still a work in progress. But I know that I feel better when I do those things. I know that I feel better when I go to bed earlier with a book or my journal or, you know, that I I paint on the weekend. I just say, you know what, like we're not doing any electronics. Let's do some art (laughs) and not make the art mean anything. Right. Like it doesn't need to be a Picasso. Right. It just I get to turn off that thinking side of my brain and just really be present in the moment. That is so beautiful because we need those energizers because you know, we have different types of capacity, you know, creative capacity, yeah. right? You can have like, you know, you have to know your energy for capacity. You have your, create, you have your creative side. You have your thinking capacity. You know, there's so many things that we have to understand. But the biggest thing we need to know is what depletes us and what energizes us. Exactly. Um, I'm a big, I'm going to start launching here in the next uh, week. But on Mondays, it's hashtag TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. And so the whole point is, is everybody else is working for the weekend like the old song, you know? And for me, I'm thinking you work five days in your week and you're working for the weekend just so you could be done. What I want to do is do deep work during the week, get to the weekend, rest and rejuvenate and fill myself up. It's like my, it's like if it's a Tesla and I got to plug it in and I got to get my energy to do five more days. Right. What most people are doing is they're just unplugging and going, oh, I'm done with that. And so they're trying to like almost, I don't know, reclaim, fix, make better everything that happened last week. But there's no control of it for yourself. Not that you're in control of everything, but I want to make the difference I want to make. That's what I want to do. I want to be control of my investment into the world. And into what I do in the lives of other people. I don't want to just show up and just kind of move kind of willy nilly through things, then be exhausted by everything, spend five days. Most of my time is outside of my own home, then go home on the weekend and be drained and depleted. And then hopefully eventually by Sunday, catch up with everybody just to think about Monday and dread it. No, my Sunday is most people's Friday. Right. Does that that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So in, so in your book, let me ask you like, number one, what, what would you say? What are the nuts and bolts? If you were to say, if you get this book, these are the signature things, the key nuts Mm. and bolts of my book. It's going to significantly, or it's going to give you a radically different perspective on your relationship with food and your body from the inside out. So instead of focusing on the doing, 
it's going to shift you into focusing on the being. It's going to really disrupt what you might believe to be true about weight loss right now. And it's not going to be for everybody. And that's cool. That is cool. I don't really want to be for everybody because I'm, I'm only for the people who are really open and curious and willing to try a new way because what they're currently doing isn't working. And if you say to me, well, I've lost weight before, Lisa, when I followed the plan, my first question is, but did you gain it all back? Because if you lost weight and gained it back, it didn't work. So you need to stop telling yourself that because you're on the hamster wheel of diet addiction. Um, they're also going to have a really deep dive into what addiction means, right? So obviously, I got a very um, powerful lesson in addiction. And there's just so much stuff that people don't know. And I've been so immersed in this world for so long that I'm like, people don't know this yet. And there's a lot of people that really don't know this yet. So stay open and curious when you're reading it. And then you're also going to get to learn about the framework that I teach. And again, it's, it's not meant to be Simple, but not easy, because again, it's really challenging the people that I work with to take responsibility from their choices from a place of knowing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you get to choose what works for you and what doesn't. My framework is not the end all be all. It's meant to lay the foundation so that you can start building out a healthy relationship with food. So if you want to lose weight, you can start seeing how the pieces fit together. And then I expect the people that work with me to continue to go on and grow. But until until they start that inside out work, nothing is going to change. So that's kind of what they can expect, along with a lot of, you know, I share a lot of my personal journey in the book, because that's, that's how I that's the place that I coach from. Um, so there's a lot of kind of stories and insights from my own, from my own perspective and just, you know, my years of work with clients. I love that. That's the mm. fixed mindset versus open yeah, mindset. I tell people yeah. have an open mindset because most people are stuck because they have a fixed mindset. I, I see people start Absolutely. to explore and, and take adventure and move out. And then, you know what they do? Oh, 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 it's uncomfortable. Well, you know right. what? That thing that may be even nasty, ugly, and even not even clear may be your answer. Right. But yet they they got to run back for comfort and they're, they have a fixed mindset. As humans, we're, our brain is wired to keep us comfortable. But when we look at our lives, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are, you've already worked through a tremendous amount of discomfort. From the time that, you know, you started school and the teacher was like, okay, we're going to learn how to print the letter A today. Do you remember learning how to hold your pencil? Yeah. But back then when you're a kid, you're like, cool. Like you just kind of lean into the discomfort. You don't make it wrong, right? Mm. Because children are in that place of curiosity, wonder, learning, openness. But as we get older, this is when we start judging the discomfort. This doesn't feel good. So this must be wrong. Wow. This doesn't feel good. I should be going backwards. I need to go where it's not. When we can just approach like fear, doubt, resistance as these like beautiful emotional wingmen. Like, thank you for being along for the ride because it means I'm doing something epic in my world today. Right. Right. Well, I love that because that's what you said. If you're open, curious and willing, that's, and that's the thing because most people come, they approach everything with a fixed mindset. You've got to be open, curious. And I like your order too. open number one, because you can be curious and not open. That's right. But I like open first, curious second, 
and then willing third because mm-hmm. it's a good order. I don't know if you paid attention to that, but I look at sequences and I love, I that. love that. Open, curious, and willing. And it's like willing. I tell it's like I tell people like there's something biblically that talks about the fruit of the spirit and you know you have love, joy, peace and you know go on. But if you don't have love, you can't have joy. If you don't have joy, you can't have peace, right? You can't advance through the fruit of the spirit. So I tell people love is the, it's like the battery in the flashlight without it. Nothing else is seen. That's right. It's the foundational brick. Right. And so I view your, that openness as the foundational brick. So you accidentally on purpose, sequentially put something together. (laughs) Um, So judgment, the no judgment you know, putting down judgment mm-hmm. when it comes to this and just life in general, that discipline, how much of an impact has that made on you and what kind of a difference has it made in your life? Huge. Um, putting down judgment has been, you know, and we can, we can phrase it in a different way. Like when we're hard on ourselves, <laughs> that's judgment. Right. Right. So it's always when I made the decision to really get conscious about the thoughts that I was thinking, because quite often we're not even paying attention to the squirrels running around in our brain that are not being very nice to us. When I started to get really conscious to that, that's when things changed. And the more I've been able to put down judgment, so how this shows up for me now, I'll hop on a live stream. I don't really care if I have my hair and makeup done. Like, (laughs) I just don't care. I really... (laughs) care, you know, I, I give less, you know, what's about things. We'll keep it PG. Um, it means that, so for instance, when I got my advanced reader copies of my book, right, when it came, I'm like, wow, how did I miss that that spacing was off on the front cover? And then I looked <laughs> through it. I'm like, oh, we missed some edits. And I still sent the books out. And I just said, hey, guys, in true, true to form, it's a perfectly imperfect copy. In the past, I would have, ne- I would have been like, oh my God, how did I miss that? I, you know, I would have been so looped down and mired in my own self-judgment. So I'm just so conscious now when I'm picking up the stick. And I just think like, in the grand scheme of things, Lisa, is this really going to matter down the road? Do you really? And when we think other people are judging us, because that's really where most people go to. I can't do this because other people will judge me. The truth is people are judging you anyways. Are you going to stop doing what you're doing? Because there's somebody already out there that doesn't like you. Right. And I'm still doing my thing. And that's none of our business, actually. It's it's none of our business. And when I really got honest with myself and said, you know what? This isn't about other people judging me. It's about me judging myself. And am I willing to just start to be kind? And, you know, that's a a mantra that I give my my clients. And it was actually started by one of my clients. She decided she was going to write on her mirror to be kind every day as a way of reminding her to put down self-judgment around her body. And just seeing that in her mirror every day when she got dressed started to shift. Like she started to get conscious to every time she would start to beat herself up Mm. and she would self-correct. She would say, I'm no longer available for this. And that's what I do in my life. I'm no longer available for self-judgment. So, you know, yesterday I shot a video for a coach and a mentor who I would like more of in my life. I would have never done that in the past. I'm like, who, who would I, who am I to do something like that? How bold and ballsy is that for me to do that? And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to send it because if I have the courage to send this, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not even attached to the outcome. I was just so 
proud of myself for being in the process and saying, I'm just going to do this and I'm not going to beat myself off over it. And once I send it, I'm not going to judge myself thinking, well, why did I say that? And I <laughs> totally opened myself up to be crushed here. No. So when you're able to release judgment, life gets a whole lot more fun and exciting because you're willing to take more chances and you're willing to give yourself high fives. Right. So that's that's a real practice in my life as well. And with my clients, helping them learn how to receive praise from themselves, helping them learn how to celebrate their successes, helping them kind of lower the bar and let themselves feel successful. So that's those are all the things that are available to you when you stop judging yourself, when you stop trying to push your way to success, whether it's in your business or, you know, in your life or your body, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. So it's. It's a foundational piece that almost every single person walking around needs to work on, releasing judgment, releasing judgment from self first. And obviously, you know, we don't need to judge other people, but when we're judging other people, we're really judging ourselves. So. Right. So if you stop judging yourself, there's a good right. chance you won't be judging others. That's right. That's, you know, so just stop it all together. <laughs> so, well, your book, um, like your release and purchasing and all of that, like, uh, how, when's this going to happen and uh, how do people get it? It is live on February 20th on Amazon around the world, which is crazy. Yay. Like, crazy, crazy, <laughs> crazy exciting. Um, and kind of the enormity of that is starting to settle in. Like, wow, this is, I sent an email to my newsletter today. I'm like, oh my God, like this is happening. Like this, this is happening. And I don't think I've ever felt more vulnerable and exposed in my business than launching a book because now it's like my work is going to be out there on an even greater level. So I'm having to be really present to all the emotions that are coming up for me and staying super, super kind to myself. So, and, and just allowing myself, I don't have any expectations around how the launch is going to go, but just staying in that place of excitement and just in wonder of like, I don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, I don't know. And that's kind of an <laughs> exciting place to be in. So it's available on Amazon on February 20th, um, or they can come over to my website at lisacarpenter.ca forward slash book launch, uh, because from February 20th until, oh, March something, the beginning of March, we're going to have some, you know, extra bonuses and, and giveaways that we're doing. So with, it's exciting. The, with your programs as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually going to, I'm going to be giving away some of my programs. So for people who are on that book launch list, we're going to be giving away some programs. Um, and then we've just added some really cool bonuses. Like we've put together uh, a PDF of all the, cause the book is interactive. Like there's work to be done in it, right? We can't just read a book and put it on the shelf and go, Oh wow, I've transformed. No, you actually have to do the work. Uh, so we've pulled out all the progress, but not perfection sections into a downloadable, editable PDF so people don't have to mark up their book if they don't want to, and they can go back to it all the time. Um, and we've just we've done a whole huge resource section so we can go even deeper into some of the concepts that are in the book. And uh, what else is the other bonus? Oh, I've put together a, a pre-recorded lesson I did on how to overcome emotional eating, so kind of digging into some tips and tactics and tricks that people can use to stay conscious as they're going through, okay, how do I raise my level of awareness and really pay attention to the thoughts I'm thinking and how I can support myself so that I don't get caught in squirrel brain because there's actually <laughs> things that we can do, right? The, right? the being and the doing, we have to have a little bit of both, but leading with the being, 
Right. That's awesome. And what are three things you're optimistic about over the next 12 months, personally or professionally? Optimistic about? Oh, my goodness. I am so open this year. I am pretty much like, I don't know what's coming, but my, it's like standing on like a mountaintop with my arms wide open and just saying, okay, let's see like what's available. Um, so that's really like this year, I'm really just allowing things to unfold without pushing. I'm just going deeper with what I have. So showing up and having a deeper impact with what I'm already doing and really focusing on just impact. Personally, I want to do a little bit more personal traveling with my family this year. I'm always going to, you know, business events because I love connecting with people, but I want to get some more personal trips under my belt. And, you know, there's some beach lying, I think, in my future. Um, and -hmm. really just, really just celebrating where I'm at right now. You know, there's, there's something to be said for not always chasing achievement and allowing yourself to sit on the mountaintop and survey the view and just being like, I'm just going to enjoy this for a little bit. Like this year is just about me enjoying what I've accomplished to now and continuing to do the work that I do with the people that I'm working with so that they can have a bigger impact in the world. Okay. Do you have a number three? A number three. Uh, number three. Well, I'm always working on more deeply connecting with my kids. Oh. So that, you know, like I've got a six-year-old and then I've got teenagers. So we're, we're running the range of parenting skills and abilities. Right. And, um, you know, being really present to my teens' journeys right now, it's fascinating being a woman, seeing a teenage boy's perspective, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, And just, you know, being very present to what's going on for them and seeing, you know, for a lot of years, I really struggled with feeling like I was a good mom. Again, the judgment thing showed up, right? I thought I wasn't hardwired for mothership. And so to be kind of now in the pocket of being with teenagers and recognizing, oh, this this is this is my zone of genius here. So I may not be so great with the three, four-year-olds. I love and appreciate the little ones. But to really be in that place now of like, this is the pocket that I want to sit in and I really want to enjoy my parenting. And also knowing that, you know, that window that we have with our children is is very short in the grand scheme of things. And my oldest is graduating. He's turning 17. And then I've got a 16-year-old right behind him. That time that they're going to be under my wing, under my roof is getting shorter and shorter. Right. So really appreciating them just, you know, coming home every night, right? And spending some time with them because they're going to launch their lives into the world and chase their dreams and get out there and start to figure things out. And um, it's really, really, really cool to watch and just be excited for them. So I want to be present for that as well. That's, that's an awesome answer. I love it. Touches my heart. Um, this has been fun. It has been fun. I've enjoyed this. What, what's the best way, if you were to say to people, if there's like your main source of c- connecting with you, where would you want mm-hmm. people to go? Is it your website or do you have a couple of channels? I have a couple channels. So my website really is, you know, it talks about how I work with people one-to-one and then, you know, you can find my programs because I don't necessarily, the, the, the people that I work with one-to-one aren't necessarily the people that are starting out through my programs. Like I have this wide kind of demographic that I work with. So my website kind of gives, there's a flavor for everything in there. Um, generally speaking, I'm showing up quite regularly on my Facebook fan page. 
um, so they can follow along there. I think it's Lisa Carpenter Inc. And I'm starting to dabble in Instagram and Instagram stories. So I'm over there. I'm not as consistent yet. I find that social media can get very uh, overwhelming, (laughs) right? Like, so I want to be in all the places and I have to honor my commitment to myself first and my self care first. And if I feel like I'm in all the places, then that doesn't feel good for me. Um, and there's still as much as I'm out there in public with everybody and sharing my life, there's also, you know, I like my privacy and I like my intimacy too. So I don't want to live my life on social media because again, I'm trying to help people like get engaged in their life. Our lives aren't right. happening behind a screen. Right. They're happening when our head's up and we're actually present to what's going on around us. Right. So you and I, we're going to have to do a part two of this. Oh my uh, We definitely yeah. will have to connect again. So I really appreciate you and your time that thank you spent you. with me. And thank you for having me on because this was kind of like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I love doing interviews. I love talking to other amazing people. I just, I love having these like rich conversations and then leaving in this place of wonder, like, I wonder who's going to listen to this. And I wonder what kind of impact it's going to have, but not being attached to the impact it's going to have, but just knowing that somebody out there really needs to hear something that we talked about in this episode. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember you can be more, do more and have more. Your reasons for being, doing and having are for you to figure out and no one else. Always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill. However, you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, know this, you will see people like myself and Lisa on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.